Every day she takes a morning bath, she wets her hair, wraps a towel around her as she's heading for the bedroom chair. It's just another day, slipping into stockings, stepping into shoes, dipping in the pocket of her raincoat. I'm not gonna lie, I was a little nervous to leave this message for some reason. I know it's anonymous, but I feel like you're gonna know who I am. But I'm listening to your podcast. I listened to uh, your last episode of Be Time, then I listened to the first one a couple times as well. I just really like your voice, and I think you're doing such a good job. And I feel that you're heading towards an awesome direction that I'm really interested in continuing to follow. I feel that it's really cool that I'm here so early on, so I don't have to catch up. But I really would love if you made your episodes a little bit longer so I can listen to them on the way home from traffic. I mean, way home from work, but traffic as well. Uh, Anyway, keep up the good work. You have a great voice, and I love it. Um, Okay, bye. I just want to get my feedback on the Rome Landon show. Uh, I personally like it. I think it's a good idea. I think it's, you know, it's helpful to always talk with people who are going through anxiety or who have dealt with it or have had their first panic attack. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to express how you feel when going through it, especially if it's your first time around. Thank you, Rome, for starting this podcast. Uh, I think it's really good stuff. Um, like I said before, it's a good tool. It's, it's good information. It'll help you know people to to talk about it, how they feel, you know. And if you want to be anonymous, even better. I'm I'm sure there are more people who listen to this that can relate to you know to relate to this topic that we're all talking about. And I can't wait to hear the rest of the podcast that are coming up. Keep it up, Rome. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode three of the Rome Landon Show. Now, I'm thinking of making these podcasts bi-weekly because it's just way too hectic to be going back and forth and finding to find somebody to have time to meet up on a weekly basis. It's kind of hard, especially because I'm volunteering my time. They're volunteering their time onto a personal level. I really share my backstory because I feel like you guys are just don't really know me and are asking yourself who is this guy telling us what to do with our life you're probably like this guy has never been through anything traumatic in his life and it sounds like he's just giving the a perspective of whatever you read in a book and I want to like really dig into my life and just walk you guys through like if we were friends and I was telling you about my childhood now to give you a little backstory I am currently 27. I was born in 1991 in SoCal, to be specific, Inland Empire. Now, I guess you can say I come from a very typical immigrant family where my father came here with a work visa and worked at McDonald's in Los Angeles and ended up getting my mom pregnant and got married moved her down here to the Inland Empire, got an apartment, got their first home, first child, then then I was born. Now, at a, such a young age, I, I feel like my first traumatic experience was the death of my brother. Now, I did confront death before that, and that was the death of a family member on my mother's side. 
where I had attended the funeral and you know that was my first introduction to death let's fast forward I was in the first grade first grade to second grade transition kind of and my oldest brother had passed away what that does to a person at such a young young age to have somebody just disappear that you see every day and have a strong attachment and share a room with and just play with all the time really hits literally hits home because there's nothing you can describe of just not seeing somebody that you're used to seeing every day whoever lost somebody close to in their family and it hurts and there's a process of grievance there how does this tie into holding in your emotions well in a hispanic family it was kind of everybody was handling their own grievance in their own time as far as my mom she went into depression as well and my father as well and it's like okay i lost a brother as well but nobody paid mind to me it kind of was like you're a kid you wouldn't understand till you're older pretty sure that even seeing a, your brother laying down passed out and the ambulance is coming you that's something that six five any five or six year old will remember for the rest of your life it's such a traumatic event it'll stick to you for a while me as a person i felt really guilty i was just a kid a lot of things play in your head as far as i could have done something but i mean I've been recently went to a therapist not because I haven't found closure for everything but I accepted it myself that it wasn't my fault and that I couldn't do anything but I seek the therapist because they take these classes and they give you a different perspective of the situation she said you were merely a child and there was an adult there it's not like you can put the blame on them but it's they were in charge and for somebody to pass away and you as a child to put that on yourself it's it's very huge i mean before that i did have therapy and i went because i i was troubled at school and acted out and my parents felt like i needed that after after years it wasn't it wasn't immediately after and i felt like i needed that right after that happened i believe i was in middle school when i started uh, therapy for that even then I feel kind of forced and I had to kind of lie myself out of it just just because I feel pressured from from my parents growing up in a he Hispanic home you have the alpha male which is your father and whatever he says goes and if you're wrong then you learn how to suppress your feelings I remember very vividly probably when I was 17 or 18 we had gone to visit my brother at the at the cemetery and I remember just tearing up and crying and my father turns to me and he goes it's time to just move on and get over it and that coming from somebody that raises you and I understand they lost a son and now understand as a father he lost a son and 
he probably like any old school dad just buried it and moved on and I mean everybody deals it with differently I I think if my son would pass away I think that would really hurt me and it would it would push me more to take my daughter to therapy if you put yourself in that position or vice versa if my daughter would pass away I would want my son to go to therapy just so to get that guilt off of him because at such a young age I think everybody would feel guilty and it's something that you go through in depression is you barter with yourself you say only if I was there only if I it could be with anything a friend that was driving at night and you offered them to give them a ride but they insisted and they went on anyway and a guy drinking came and hit him from behind and they killed killed him and your other friend and you're like if only he would have stayed or if I could have took the keys away you need to not feel guilty but it's something that you will go through during depression now what really made me now what when I came to accept that it wasn't my fault and I need to continue with my life without feeling that regret or feeling sad or still mourning him and this was 18 years later this was about a year ago I was sitting there and I wrote down in my journal and I just realized that it wasn't my fault and if I had gotten the therapy right away at a young age that could be confirmed by your parents and I think it's something that I might have hold on to against them it's something that I think they didn't see it maybe because I didn't talk I feel like it was expected of them to do it but I mean we learn to forgive and forget and I've learned that after 18 years that I was just a child and they were the ones in charge and I'm not putting the blame on them and it's just it's nobody to blame it's things that happen in life and you have to learn to get over you can't really see a positive which I tried for years to see what the positive would be out of it but there isn't now going to therapy with them I was probably like 13 14 they pointed out to them that they were putting the pressure of my brother onto me that if he would still be alive and he would be healthy he would be doing much better than I was doing and it's something that was said behind closed doors to me it's not something that was made publicly you know and the therapist told him it's you're expecting him to live to be grateful to be living to be grateful to be healthy to be grateful that you're able to walk around to have a brain to learn stuff because I mean my brother was he was very he was slowly learning learning how to walk and talk and you know he he did understand life and I just think he had an issue he went to a special school and stuff but that was always thrown to me expectations were that you that you have a healthy life you're you're you have to live up to it that your brother couldn't you need to you know the expectation was really high and they didn't like that they thought the therapist she wasn't right and they didn't realize that that's what they were making me feel yeah shortly after i felt like i had to kind of 
fake my emotions to get out of therapy because it was I feel I felt really judged. Uh, the therapist, of course, when you go as a child, they pull you into a room and they talk to you first, and then they bring the parents in. Now I felt very, I felt like the therapy session would be taken over by them, and I felt like they needed therapy themselves. But I don't know what the stereotype of therapy is in Hispanics or minorities, where they think you're crazy or if you go to it. But I, I mean, if it helps you in the end, I mean, they were seeking seeking to get help but they wouldn't do it so I just forced kind of forced it on myself to just be very very blank on my feelings I just did whatever they said and acted like nothing now after that I think the most uh, traumatic thing that would happen would be well, not traumatic. Uh, a change, I guess, in my lifestyle. I joined a church choir, and that really got me out there. I think that that really pushed me from being antisocial and angry at people because that's another stage of depression is that you want to single yourself out. And people would think I would be shy, and it's not that. It's just I was just... I didn't know at the time, but I was just angry with everybody, and I didn't want to socialize. I didn't like people, and... That's another reason. Um, I mean, if I could self-diagnose myself now, yeah, I was in depression. And that stage was just anger at everybody. At everybody. I mean, uh, till this day, I think uh, my sister always thought that I, she wouldn't ask me anything because the way that I reacted. I feel like I changed a lot where I'm not that way anymore. And same thing to my brother. I would just wig out and they're like, he's just angry all the time and it's that and I I'm I think I did a 180 in the last two years after after just realizing that I mean I can't be living this way and it just caught up to me emotionally now but let's go let's go back to me joining choir and it wasn't until like a month end where we had this <clears throat> this like uh choir camp with some Christians up in I think it was Temecula and I remember this was the first time that I was with a group of people where typically my my friends would only run like one or two people because I don't know I didn't really like anybody and I didn't trust people and I just was very kept to myself I remember the first time we went up there and the first night I I kind of just let go and found that I was uh, a very fun, uh, very funny individual and yeah they they everybody had the same reaction uh, one of my good friends now and he's also into podcasts and self-help uh, he tells me he's like I thought you would never talk to us and you're very kept to yourself and that day you really <laughs> you we couldn't get you to shut up and from that day on I I kind of, uh, from that day on, I really opened up to this, these group of, group of individuals. I can say that, uh, one of them became the godfather of my, my daughter. And I mean, that's the kind of friendship that we build off of that. And I'm really glad that that happened in my life. And that really helped me for a while to get out of depression. Now, for one thing or another, 
something happened where I went into one of my depression modes and I ended up leaving out of nowhere. I feel like I have a tendency of doing that in situations where I just left and I didn't want to return to choir and maybe I think it was because I was falling behind in school and I just that was a way kind of to get back at my parents because they they liked me being there and I don't know I, I just uh kind of slipped yeah it slipped away and I feel like I I just faded away from the group um there was it was just an awkward way to, for me to for me to leave a group that was really tied to and it I remember the director uh, contacting my mom and trying to uh, not convince me, but uh, find out why I had left. But I mean, I'm pretty sure I had reasons back then. I don't remember why exactly, but that I think I was a sophomore or a freshman in uh, high school. Now in high school, was a I got just F's uh, my freshman year, and that was my whole depression mode where I didn't want to do anything, and I. I didn't find interest in anybody. Authority figures were nothing to me. I just felt like I could do whatever I want, and there was no, there was no greater um, form of discipline to me than than the alter- alternate. I was like, why we're gonna we're gonna die anyway, and that's that's really what I came down to. And going to my sophomore year, my my life kind of changed uh, I met uh, the mother of my children and that really took all my time where it was it was not <laughs> very healthy I I did get start doing better in school I remember junior year we ended up joining this academy that we have at school and that really puts you on track where all the teachers are a family and you have the same teachers for the next for the for your three years of which were your junior, your sophomore, your junior, and your senior year. And I had them with, who was my girlfriend at the time, of course. And I want to say it was healthy and not healthy. Healthy for school-wise because I did end up passing all my classes and end up graduating. Not healthy because emotionally I was just putting all my attention to her. I wasn't... It was never any me time. It was we. It was distracting myself from being alone and really getting in touch with my feelings. It was. I would not recommend that to drown your emotions with somebody, because the day will come where you'll be facing it by yourself. It could be now or later, or th- the day that your significant other dies or something. It, it doesn't have to be that drastic, but. You really have to fix yourself, really, and before you start getting emotionally involved with somebody. Now we can fast forward a little. Grad, I graduated. I we split up. We came back to each other. Um, she she became pregnant. I was nineteen. That was for my first daughter. Fast forward more. We had issues throughout the relationship, like any relationship. And then we had um, my son after that. And it wasn't until probably a year into my son being born that we had more issues. And 
I mean, I'm not going to bash anybody on my podcast. This is not what the podcast is about. It's about me and we ended up splitting up and that was really hard. Um, it wasn't until a couple months later that I started dating somebody else and that's really bad as well. It was mostly because of anger. I was angry. I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of played the victim, really, of being so hurt of... I'm not I'm not saying they did anything wrong. I'm just saying it, it really hurt. And being with somebody for 7 years and you know one day it just ends it, it it goes back to grievance, back to my brother being there and the next day not. It's it's the way I looked at it, you know. You're with somebody for 7 years. It's probably the same amount that my brother was with me and one day they just their actions or your actions lead you to not being with them and that that hit me hard and a couple months later I'm in another relationship something similar happened this one ended so traumatic it was like a movie it was really bad that was another traumatic event and it was a type of relationship where you're with somebody I'd say it's a year, a couple months, you know. It wasn't healthy at all because it was the same. Only the difference now is that you have your kids involved and you have emotion involved in, with them. They're your priority. And now you have another person that's taking some of that emotion from your kids because you have to dedicate time with them. You go out with them as well. You try to put your schedule where your partner has them. That way you don't... That way you're not sacrificing time that you could be spending with your kids and going out and meeting somebody or dating somebody and for them to just end on bad terms with you. Now, in dating this other person, you really get a, another perspective on, I want to say, how other people are brought up. That, that's something big as well, what their morals are and what... You know what? <laughs> There's people out there that d they don't have morals. They don't. They weren't raised on the same on the same rules. You know that maybe your family was raised on, and they carry their trauma too as well. And you and one big thing is try to understand your trauma before <laughs> you get into a relationship because that will really mess people up in the head. Now, this relationship ended a year, a year in, I want to say, and, or it could be two years, a year to two years, but it ended in a way where a lot of things were happening at, a, at the same time. Now, a week, I want to say a week before the relationship ended, my grandfather had passed away. I was at work, I was sitting at my desk, and... I'm getting a call on on the phone and I'm sitting there at my desk and I'm like <clears throat> this is so weird <laughs> it's my mom's number and it's the work phone it's the cell phone that they provide and I the first thing that comes out of her mouth is your grandpa's dead and I'm like what and she says it again my heart just dropped to the middle of my stomach and I had I I think the first reaction I had was, no way, that's not real. I hung up the phone and I threw it. And my heart dropped 
it's this like somebody just punched you in the middle of your rib cage right below that soft area above your stomach i felt like throwing up and maybe i like i told myself maybe i heard it wrong and i called her back and she said yeah your grandpa's dead and we want to you won't we want to see if you you can go with your dad to mexico right away he's leaving right away and i hung up the phone again and i was just in shock that's probably the first thing you go through and i put my head down and i started sobbing and crying out of nowhere and it hurt so much like physical pain that you go through at that moment is crazy and prior to that i i had just gone through anxiety so bad and had a panic attack probably like three months before that and i was i couldn't take it i put my head down and it like i mean it was during break while well, already was going to break and my supervisor looks at me and he doesn't know what to do because he's just looking at me and i'm like put my head down and i'm like tearing up and making all these noises like really crying and he stands up and leaves because it's such an awkward situation like seeing somebody sobbing so hard and you don't know what just happened once i went through all that and he's just looking at me and he steps away i just look back and step away for a minute and i literally just went into the restroom washed my face and sucked it in like just looked at myself and it's like nothing happened just go back to your desk and everything's fine wiped off my face walked over to my desk and sat down <sighs> took a deep breath and you know just continued continued throughout the whole day and called my mom back during break and told her I couldn't go the company wouldn't let me I don't have enough days and that really messed me up and I wish I would never done that now I went home and same thing the whole angry at everybody and feeling hurt and just everything came back you know and and, and I felt like that that was some stuff you know lingering over from my from my brother's death and I I had to I feel like I had to put the face of nothing's wrong and it, that is so wrong with everything that I've learned and you have to put this face like you're strong and that's really bad because you're hurting inside and you, if you don't let it out it'll come out some other way I remember getting home and you know my mom's like yeah just really drilling into it right she's like there was a guy that swerved into the road and there were four passengers in a taxi and your grandpa's on it they were going into town to do some errands and this guy swerved and the taxi ended up flipping over nobody was wearing seatbelts and it w the lanes out there th there's only two lanes it's like a highway one car's coming and one car's going and this guy just either he was drunk and the more i heard about 
the details of the story it really made me angry that there was a lady on board that had large a large uh, sum of money and that it went missing and that the guy just paid off the police and he went on his way now what what makes me more angry not only that they killed him because it, it's murder there's I mean and it's different you can't barter because you can't say well, only if I was there because I wasn't there and the, and something that I learned is there's nothing you know you can blame yourself for that it's impossible I wasn't there this was in Mexico so I wasn't there now what I didn't want to do is go face it which I think was a big thing and I remember my uncle was here as well from my mom's side of the family and he told me you wouldn't understand until you're older what it's like to lose somebody and I looked at him and I said what the fuck do you know about losing somebody and I understand that he lost his father but to tell me that I don't understand death and what it's like to lose somebody I was like there's a difference you know and I told him what the fuck do you know you come here thinking that you know how the fuck I'm feeling thinking I'm I'm throwing this tantrum just to you know like be an ass to my father but no that that wasn't the case and you know and he confronted me after because I left so pissed off and he came up to me and he shook me and he was like I'm sorry and I was like you're the one that doesn't understand what I'm going through and you shouldn't assume things that's like saying you don't care that your grandfather died of course I do are you a fucking idiot like I was so mad at him and I was really gonna just punch him in the face because that's how mad I was and it's it's not that he knew any better you know I, I understand how it looks from the outside it's like you you don't care basically it's like you care so much that you're so pissed off that you don't you don't even want to go and it's awful and it's like sometimes it's better that's a different way of you know everybody has a way to grieve and I think my time will come when I go down there and I'll visit him myself you know and when when all the hype is down of you know the whole ritual that they do and it I mean it's a beautiful thing that they do down there where they carry his casket down to the where they bury him and all that but I, I don't want to be there and maybe it's a thing of not showing emotion but it's you know it's really hard for me and to even talk to anybody about this and I feel like it's something that you know this will help people in the long run and eventually you know we can all accept somebody's death or somebody disappearing for our lives or a, just a traumatic event in our childhood if you were beat by your dad when you were younger it's not your fault you know it's there's nothing that you could do you were just a kid even when you're older you would understand and you can step in in situations like that your husband's beating your kids you can intercept and save them from that you know that traumatic life that they're going to grow up on now after after that had happened you know my dad left for two weeks or a week I don't remember but he did leave down there for his funeral and I felt really bad you know um, we were hiding 
the pictures because there was pictures that surfaced online the newspaper it was a big thing down there four killed on the highway and the guy didn't even go to jail so we were hiding the pictures from my brother and I mean it's really hard you know and and I I don't know maybe we made the wrong decision from hiding it from from him but I mean when I was younger I wish my parents would confront me and tell me you know like comfort you know like it wasn't your fault that your brother died or just a different approach or took me to therapy right away after his passing but I mean we learn from our mistakes and if any little tragic event I want to talk to my kids so they don't grow up thinking that they have nobody to talk to and thinking things are are their fault when they're not you know all that happened and you know and after that after that relationship you know that once let's go back to the relationship now that tragic thing happened right and that led to me having a full-on panic attack at work because not only did did my issues with the relationship became very buried and then this surfaced and i was just focused on that and that created a i I stopped eating. I thought I was doing this fasting and I forgot that I stopped eating completely. Like I probably forgot to eat for at least two, three days. It was horrible. And I remember sitting outside and I was meditating. I was super into meditation. I'm sitting outside and just watching the cars pass by. And this thing just triggers in my mind. You haven't fucking ate, dude, in three days. And I just felt this numbness starting from the back of my like spine area and it's coming into my chest and I feel this super like racy heart rate right and my hands are going numb and I'm like oh my god I haven't eaten three days and I'm a I'm a die here at, at the freaking warehouse so I stand up slowly, I breathe in, out, slowly, out, and I'm still meditating at this point. I have my headphones in, you know, I try to calmly walk in, try to not to accelerate my heart rate even more, and it's not stopping. I go into the doors, go into the little lunch area that we have, and I go for the water, start chugging water, start chugging water, start chugging water, and go sit down and... One of my coworkers goes, oh my God, you're freaking pale. And now I'm like, oh shit, like I'm not breathing. <laughs> I stopped breathing and I'm like, oh crap. So I took like a big whiff of air and I started hyperventilating. And this is when people got triggered. Um, everybody was heading back to work and I'm there in like shock, basically. It's just a panic attack. And I recognized it right away. I was like, no, 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 no. And your head, your neck gets so stiff where you're just your first instinction instinction is to like just run dude just get the fuck out of there that's what a because you're in a panic you're in panic like full mode panic you're like call the ambulance call somebody because i feel like i'm a diary and this older uh lady that's i think she was like assistant supervisor or something she comes up and she's like drink a coke you need to calm down and i sat down you know and i had like my food there and i like you know, they started feeding me, and it was it was very, very um, humble of them. They, 
they they sat there with me they called the supervisor and he came and he sat there with me this was like a good 45 minutes now at the time i was in a position where they needed me out there to run the floor and it's like okay we will do what we can while we get you back up you know and again i suppressed all that that i had and went back to work and he told me he's like if you need to you know go home just let me know and we already have somebody incoming to cover you and uh yeah i felt like crap once once you have a panic attack it's not the same i feel like it's probably like a not saying it's something medical like uh, having a stroke or anything but it did feel like that you don't feel you feel on edge for the for the next couple of days you know you feel you you just your body just went into some tense mode and your muscles are all still tense you know and it's it's just a horrible experience now as soon as that happened that afternoon uh i had a date so went out with the girl I was dating at a time and we went out we had a good time and things were good i mean we left on a good note good right and you know that was on a friday and then saturday came along and another another uh traumatic event she calls me and tells me it's not the typical it's not you it's me i have to focus on myself and my career you know like really <laughs> after everything and you know it's it's i'm not saying that she picked the perfect timing but you know what a coincidence you know uh he's already suffering you know <laughs> might as well hit him with the with what's coming to him so yeah she ends up breaking up with me and a couple months later she uh she ends up getting married with another guy the whole time there was another dude you know and that that fucks with you so hard emotionally that you can't even you can't really process it you know i was just over it at the time and you know i ended up just putting in my two weeks at work and was gonna just start school and focus on my business and 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 i'm still going i mean after two years of of a whole year last year of just doing an entrepreneur thing and six months till this so it's a year and six months that i've been doing it and i've done it i mean i'm going back to school and really pushing it i mean struggle here and there but i'm pushing myself and i think that's what kept me busy and it's hard you know i really got into mindfulness and helping myself out you know it's it's really hard out there and you get yourself somebody that's there with you and understands this you get yourself a friend and i have a very good friend that i talked to and you know she she's been there through all those stages in my life i know i've known her since we were probably in second grade and then we recently started talking about a about a year and a half ago before all this went down and i feel like it's you need somebody there you definitely need somebody it could be a significant other it could be a good friend but you do need somebody and you need a therapist when your therapist is not there you have a friend that that you can talk to and let everything on your mind out or if you have a sibling that you can talk to but it's it's really good to get a an, an outsider's perspective that doesn't live in the home that sees your issues you know now after that i mean 
let's jump back to today. I've had another probably like two relationships after that. The recent one, you know, and you really get to understand people and what you want in life. And you you try not to hurt people, but it's I think it's just the nature of finding yourself and what you really want is that you're going to hurt people along the way. But it's for your for your best, you know. It's I'm not saying go out there and start promising people things. Tell them that in a year I want to get married with you. You can say I want to get married, but don't promise that. Promise them that you're going to get married to them, just so they know where the line is, you know. And just you know, just the way that you want to be treated. Talk to them. So many times I've seen. That emotions do get in the way. That you get so worked up in emotion and you put somebody so high up in a pedestal. And you get to know them a couple months later and it's not who you think they are. It's not. You're making them fit this cookie cutter image of what you have for them. And that's when you're going to get really disappointed. Now I hope that this very vague (laughs) uh, timeline of my life can help you to understand who I am and where I'm coming from based on emotion. Of course, this isn't all my trauma that I've been through, but these are kind of like those those big waves I see when an earthquake happens. Those are the big ones. And later on, uh, through some episodes, I'll show you guys those little quakes that happen in my life. And, And that's what really makes a person. Not the big traumatic events, but what you do on those on those low quakes, you know. You'll you'll definitely meet some of my good friends on here and I'll have them on and if they're up to it, they'll share some of their trauma. Just so you guys understand that everybody goes through shit and just how you deal with that shit that will help you survive in this life. Well, that was a very long episode and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we're running on like almost an hour here. But on that note, make sure you guys subscribe and tell your friends. Share this on Facebook and Instagram stories, wherever you want to share it to. But, you know, I think this will really help people understand their mind and, you know, and just stop being anxious and stressed and, you know, and really help them manage things better, understand the mind. And hopefully soon we'll get you guys get a website going and have some recipes up there for some you know, some daily protein intake or food intake for your brain. Let get you guys going. Now, uh, make sure to subscribe and just share this podcast like crazy. And thank you guys so much. And that was the Rome Landon show. Thank you guys. It's just another day At the office where the papers grow She takes a break Drinks another coffee and she finds it hard to stay awake. It's just another day. It's just another day.